It is Saturday, the 15th of February, 2020. This is episode 369 of Digital Outbox. Welcome to another windy digital outbox. Storm Dennis starting to have its uh, have its way. How are you doing, Ian? I'm, well, I'm Chris, by the way. Um, Ian, hello. And good afternoon. Um, I am inside, which is the best place to be. Yeah, yeah. But weird. Two weekends in a row. I'm supposed to be running um, both these weekends, but both events got cancelled. So never mind. That didn't happen. I was quite relieved, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to say I'm gutted. Oh, I was gutted. Yeah, yeah, yeah really gutted. Um, another monumental uh, thing happened this week. You know, it's a sad day in the the realms of gaming when a gaming service dies. Um, but I had to refresh my Stadia um, subscription to maintain my pro outside of my free area and uh, decided not to. I don't think I'm alone. Uh, no. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's no. many, many fun times, years and years of fabulous <laughs> entertainment on a new gaming service. Um, I, you know, the memories are just a brilliant. But uh, but yeah, it's it's. I think I think I'm gonna. We'll uh, I, I, I could make the top ten joke, but have you got a top one game? <laughs> well, I played endlessly Destiny Two again, which I'd already played once already. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's that's happening. So I think the numbers are already d- diving. We mentioned that anyway, but yeah, they, I'm pretty sure they will have absolutely tanked today. But you can still play the free set version of the service, which is great as long as you've actually bought a game, which I don't think anyone did that. So it's I think it's a husk. And, and I mean, they're, they're getting real criticism for folk like you who had bought the what was it called? Was it the pro? It wasn't a pro. Founders edition. Yeah. Um, so there was lots of people who, who are complaining, saying, you know, where's the games you promised? You promised us monthly updates of games. And they went like six, seven, eight weeks just without, without They're just saying not saying anything. anything. They're just, just doing the nothing. Apple thing. Just absolute silence. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then they brought out Thumper, which is a, what, four, five, six-year-old game? You know, it's um, and said that's that's there. And not many, many people played it. No. Um, you know, so... They, I, I, I'm as just the technology at... is obviously going to exist, but I, you know, as a yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll get leveraged by one of the big players, and at some point, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, five thousand people played it. Yeah, <laughs> if you think about something the size of Google and something the the infrastructure that's behind that, and for five thousand people only to be using it, it's a bit. And I think it nutty. was just this week that they committed to here's the next sort of two or three games, and they mm-hmm. were pretty. Pretty, yeah, they're all just pretty, old and average, aren't they? Basically, pretty so. sluggish titles. So I, 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 and it's weird because it. I mean, it would, the technology, you know, it, it worked, and and there yeah. was a whole other, you know, press about it. But but then when that price and round the service came out, you're like, oh, and it just feels, it just feels a busted flush. Well, it's the real, it's the reality of how do you, yeah, how do you do something like that? Because it costs a lot of money to run that service, but you can't, you know, we expect nowadays with the kind of game pass to have to be able to play whatever we like whenever we like so yeah it's not it's you know maybe that like i say maybe they'll come up with some partnerships um but anyway sad to see that uh i'm not that sad twitter has had some 
some bad press again. Um, basically, they have warned that some hackers have been using one of their services to potentially, or an old service to potentially, get details of Twitter users. Um, basically, there was an endpoint which allowed you to, well, allowed you to identify friends that you'd already got on your phone contact list by the phone number, and then it would obviously show the Twitter account. Um, but that endpoint allowed someone to uh, just upload millions and millions of different random numbers or phone numbers up to it and, and identify then users who are associated with those phone numbers. So, and obviously that can include politicians, famous people, you know, people who could get uh, have that phone number utilised. They said sorry. They did say sorry and they fixed this at the end of December. Um, this only came out, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Just everybody, if you've got a Twitter account, take your phone number off it. Mm. You don't need it anymore because at one point, yeah, well, they were kept on saying you needed to put it in for verification, didn't they? Yep, because their verification, their, their two-factor was only via um, phone numbers, but, they, they, but but it was a kind of silent update middle of last year where they actually brought in you know proper two-factor authentication without the need of phone numbers, so you can turn all that off. Weirdly, I, are you sure that's completely? Because I, yes, I thought when they got accounts... worried about an IP address, they would then force you to nope. have to enter a phone number. No. Nope. All my accounts are now set up with two-factor authentication without using a phone number. I know where we've done testing before and we've had high numbers of users signing up at, at set IP addresses. They suddenly come with security. You know, you have to sign up for security-based. But okay, there you go. Um, so, yeah, get rid of it. But, they're, they're, yeah, a bit of a bit of a muck-up there. I guess they just never expected someone to, you know, do the, you know, abuse that service, which, again, is a bit short-sighted in this world. But it's um, they're saying it may have been state actors, so... Um, you know, there were big enough volumes of requests coming from you know the, some pretty typical locations around the world where they they those kind of actors are. Yeah, and I mean it's and it's I guess if somebody gets minor your phone number, it's not really going to do much with it. But it's the it's a high profile user, so a number of you know the security researcher that discovered this flaw, and you know hence you know Twitter realised what you know who's been accessing this kind of thing. I've seen your politicians and. Some high-profile users' phone numbers, so that that's more that's more important. Seeing the fun that Twitter was having, Google thought they'd we'll jump in and have some fun of our own. And turns out that when you used to be able to export your data from the service, I can't remember the name of the service right now, but you could export your photos and videos. And uh, basically, it turns out that sometimes when you exported, other people's photos and videos got included in your archive. Uh, Google also said sorry. <laughs> they also sent an email to anyone who had used the service um, and had had other people's videos included in the archive that they received. But it's not so clear whether Google are going to contact the people whose videos were in the archives that other people received. No, no mention about what's going to happen, which is probably the way around that actually people are worried about more than anything at the moment. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, this is horrible. I mean, this is like... So this was, um, if you use Google Photos, and then there's a service called Google Takeout, and they made, there and there was a whole big thing about Google Takeout, because it was, um, it was all Well, is around... that due to all those services that held on to all your photos and videos uh, and yeah. clamped down on it? Yep, and what they were saying was that if you join this, you know, if you use Google Takeout, you can take your data. You know, it's data's not ours, you can always take it away. Um, and yeah, you know, if you use Google Takeout, then some of your private videos might might have gone elsewhere. Um, what well, said... no, it's not you. That's the thing. It's not you using takeout. It's it's other people using takeout could get some of your videos. That's the uh, more yes, important. You yes, know, that, that that's the way round. And, and but... I guess I guess the way I've got it in my head is is that that your private videos might have been accessed and sent to the wrong people. 
exactly and when you had nothing to do with that service and didn't ask for it didn't, yeah. didn't use it yeah 0.01% of photos uh, apparently had an issue so I think it's fairly small numbers 0.01% of a Google sized product is could pretty be still big. quite big and that's the thing so they never actually committed to a number because I'm guessing if you saw the number you'd be like yeah, no point. This is a press officer going, right, yeah. we can't tell you that number. We could give you a percentage. It's much better. Well, it's, it's like the um, it's like the 99.9% uptime. And you think, oh, it's great. But then if you're yeah. told you'll lose your service for a day a year or something mm-hmm. or, a, you know, six hours a year, you'd be like, oh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was between November 21st and November 25th, the end of last year. Um, they have, they say they fixed the issue. Um, and like I say, there's no, they have, or they are contacting people who used the service and had other people's data included and their responses to, can you redo that export to make sure you only get your data? And in fact, they spun it, even they've spun it even better to say, to make sure that you've got all of your photos, because they did say that sometimes the, the replacement photos effectively meant that you missed out on one or two of your own. So they spun it to say, yeah, to make sure you get all your photos, can you run the service again? Not spinning it the other way around. Anyway, there you go. But yeah, but they haven't said what they're going to do about the other side. But that sounds fun as well. Um, Spotify. Buying The Ringer. Uh, this is a sports podcast, which I have never used, never listened to. Um, but apparently it's quite popular. It's very popular, very American focused, which is probably why you have not heard of it. Because you have no interest in anything American sporty, which is not uh, true. I but. went through a period of NASCAR race watching. That's not I a sport. I went through a period of IndyCar <laughs> racing watching. That's, a, that's slightly better. That is it, I think. Mm. But NASCAR's not a sport. Anyway. Higgity <laughs> hell. Uh, <laughs> boogity 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 let's go racing boys but this but this is um spotify going it's it's podcast content um so they have spent quite a bit of money um and buying some other properties up and this is probably the biggest so far um and this i mean 30 sports podcasts and and other ones but mostly sport uh 100 million downloads a month um from the ring okay so it's uh, now, and I don't, I don't know on this story is is this Spotify holding and hiding these um, podcasts now inside their own service, or are they maintaining the kind of podcast thing of allowing anyone to download them from anywhere? That's that's what I'm not sure about at the moment, and maybe other people aren't sure either what their ultimate goal is. They've not disclosed. So right now, you can like like the Ringer, like any podcast, is available everywhere. Well, not every podcast. There's more and more. I think there's a small trickle starting to become exclusive. Um, mm. You know, so I've noticed more and more about BBC Sounds. It's, oh yeah, it, I mean that's the whole reason that BBC Sounds yeah. exists is to lock stuff away. Yeah, yeah. you know, which I really am against. Um, mm-hmm. But but that's that's what they're doing, um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we saw you know Apple doing something. So so Apple have got obviously the podcast app, um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they started doing things like you know here's a podcast about this particular show we've done or this particular artist. We, we see other things like uh, Audible. They have what yes. they call Audible exclusives, which are only available yes. to subscribers, and they're kind of podcasty like well, things. And, and, and they're described as podcasts as well, because I've seen somebody saying, "I've got a new podcast out." You can hear it here in Audible exclusives, and it's like, well, I don't class that as a podcast now. So that and that—that's the kind of thing. So the, the kind of terminology and nomenclature yeah. is is a bit yet to be discussed. But really, they're seeing the the effect of. Audio is powerful. I mean, Audible shows that how you know audio 
is is there and and Spotify want to be there and especially on the sporting front this is a way of them getting that sporting angle uh, they are obviously saying this is a punt for the future yeah i mean the ringer i mean it's a, it's a big operation it's all ad based as well you know so that's why they're not they're they are get anywhere because their whole revenue stream is all through ads in the podcast which most big podcasts do get their revenue that way mm. um but there's 90 staff you know at the ringer so it's not, it's not a small operation that's bigger than some news organisations probably yeah, nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a big title and whether... I, I can't see them going exclusive, but I do wonder if they'll do it like, um, you know, all the current titles are, you know, are, are available everywhere, but every so often they'll drop in a... You can only mm. get this on Spotify, which is a huge platform on its own. Right. Yeah, I, I don't. Problem for me with Spotify is because I don't have it on my mobile devices. I have a a weird grandfathered in service, which oh, is okay. I I have the I have it on my desktop, but not on my mobile devices. Um, it means that I never really have the uh, podcast is something for me that I listen to when I'm walking, running, or going somewhere. It's not something I listen to at my desk because normally I'm working at that point. So yeah, so for me. Pod, I don't think Spotify is ever going to be a podcasty thing up until the point that they terminate my grandfathered service. And I think, I mean, I'm, I was I was trying to find there was lots of um, so around about sort of mid last year, you know, the, the kind of podcast audience and Spotify was when I mean, it was booming, it was really really mm. starting to grow, um, and that was you know year on year. I think the previous year had been 175 percent, and and recently I've heard it was like 200 percent for last year. So it's seen quite a lot of growth mm. i mean so they only hold a select number of podcasts but i'm guessing it just shows that you know people who do have spotify everywhere then they're it's a sensible place or a nice place to consume that the one i found strange was when they started saying we'll do like you know like the smart playlist around podcasts and it's like that's i don't have enough time to do that yeah because it's got a long time to you know most podcasts are about half an hour right so something along those lines you've got a lot of time commitment there um Ofcom in the UK look like they're going to be given the power to police social media. Um, they're kind of trying to work out how they're going to do this. Ofcom has been one of those organisations that has just absolutely ballooned recently. They have got regulatory overview of a lot of things. But that's one of the biggest questions here is can they really actually carry out this process? But effectively, they're going to be in place to review and monitor and regulate the you know anything that's classed as social media so across all the big kind of platforms now obviously seen a big political sort of whatnots talking around this and how can we regulate these services um especially given that you know more and more young people as we're going to talk about in a bit you know uh, are using devices have access to devices 24 7 and and are exposed to this the, these services um and and in fact the services themselves have actually said we don't want to be the regulators here. We want someone to actually come and tell us um, and regulate that on our behalf. Now, whether they really believe that or whether they're just trying to hold off the, the inevitable, I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I'd say there's the questions around can Ofcom actually deliver on what they said? How can you regulate these services anyway? And does it just mean that these services are eventually just going to go, right, well, it's only the UK, so we'll just we'll just hoof ourselves out of here then. Yeah, and and I mean it's a real, it's an interesting one because I mean just yesterday, and I was going to add it in, but it it just feels, it just felt it was more relevant just to talk about it here. But the police officer who's, um, or ex police officer who had been, you know, charged with, um, you know, hate crimes. It was a non-crime hate act or something yeah. like that, wasn't it? Yeah, and and he was saying, no, this is free speech, and mm. he actually won his case, and it, yes, and, the judge agreed and, with him, and, and and the courts have said that the the transphobic tweets were lawful. Um, and it, and it, 
I guess a lot of people were really surprised. Um, and it's a, so there's a lot, and, and again, it's, it's where this is going to go, there's people saying it's, it's a victory for free speech, but there's a fine line between free speech and hate, which we've covered on here before. Well, a, a judge will always make a judgment call, and, and this one was a, a, what he considered to be a more of a marginal judgment call and came down on one side. The problem is that in the public sphere, uh, when you're moving the line uh, to give more freedom, people go and take advantage of that. They don't, they don't understand that that was a marginal call, and they, they take things way too far, and then they rely on that judgment as backing up their actions. That's, that's the worry here, is that you know, one direction shutting down hate speech means that less of it potentially gets done. Uh, if you're saying this is on the borderline of hate speech, does that then move that that bar, you know, the the bar to the right slightly, and therefore allow more people to speak hatefully? And that's, I guess, the that's the where we are now with it. So we'll see what the actual outcome of that judgment is. It certainly make if you're a, if you're a, a police officer faced with a similar situation in the future, you might not just go up to that mark and a little bit further. You might actually let a lot more slide because you think, well, I can't afford to go to a court case and. And, and lose again uh, yeah it, it's, it's a real difficult one because because things like twitter a lot for a lot of people it's just uh you know letting off steam yeah um, it's, but it's but it's not it's not private that, and i said it before it's the same as drunk people mouthing off in a pub you don't expect them to necessarily get arrested or be chastised around the globe but the fact is that twitter is the equivalent of having that <laughs> available to you uh, to say it to the world yeah um so regulation or not, I think over the lifespan of our podcast, um, which has been going for quite a long time now, when we started these podcasts, regulation on the internet was very much something most people were against. But I think as time has gone on and we've seen the evolution of the internet and certainly the harm it can cause, um, you know, not ignoring the good it can cause, but the harm it can cause, I think probably most people say there needs to be some sort of regulation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a tricky one because yeah. it, effectively it's an environment where everyone is in, involved, isn't it? You can't, it's not an environment where you can just gate off to people who want and don't want regulation or are willing to expose themselves to harm or, or not. No, and I think and I think there needs to be something more formal. And I thought I was poisoned, but it needs to be something more formal because I think asking the companies to do it is not working. Exactly. But whether Ofcom is the right home for that, again, it's, who knows? And, and time yeah. may, may well tell. But yeah, so... The, this is a kind of nice follow-on story that half of UK 10-year-olds now own a smartphone. Now, you know, just digest that a bit. That, that, that's a massive move for such a young generation to have access. And even, even you know, younger generations still, um, we, you know, we're talking about three to four-year-olds now having access to smartphones. This is a, you know, this is a world and environment that has never existed before, right? <laughs> even, even in the time smartphones have existed, nearly always they've been an adult accessory but as time goes on, as the, you know, you get your hand-me-downs, and as devices get cheaper and whatever, these things all flow down. And and now everyone has twenty-four hour access to the internet. It, the, you know, and this is that's that's a different thing, right? That's something we need to be at least a little bit observant of. Uh, definitely, you know. So you can, you know, you look at something like bullying. Bullying used to be a an at-school only thing, and it could be twenty-four-seven now, and it could be worldwide. It's not just the you know maybe the twenty kids in your class or the 200 kids at your school it's it's um it's, it's a really different there's really different pressures um you know and we we're, we're talking talking about it with a couple of colleagues as as we drove up from barrow this week um just just a number of different things as you you know you're you're killing time in the car and it's just it's interesting what you know what we had as kids 
and what you thought were pressures to where today's kids are now and what's probably they think are pressures, you know, there's it's a very, very different world. Yeah. I mean, not to overstate it. I think it is. I think it genuinely things move very quickly. And, and often we don't know what the effects of all these things are. Normally, our, <clears throat> you know, the conservative side of, of our communities, and I mean that in the kind of just, you know, nature, well, is always thinking that things are going to be bad. Like TV, when it was released, was always thought about the same way. And how is it going to be for a generation that lives with all this TV? And I guess it's a lot ongoing experiment that... We don't know the problems until um, further down the line, but certainly we see a lot more mental health that's uh, talked about. Maybe it's not that it's 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 never been there, but there seems to be a bit more uh, mental health issue going around. And say whether that's just a factor of awareness or whether that is actually something to do with the world we live in nowadays, we're not sure. Uh, but I think that, you know, there's, there's the positive side of it. I think, I think probably easy for us to always go and dwell on this. Maybe it's some thing, dwell on the negative. But I mean, yeah. it, some of the survey results come out. You know, it's like you know a lot more. And I'll actually go back to, you know, the independence vote in Scotland, the Brexit vote. There's a lot more younger people getting involved in politics. I think social yeah. media campaigns help with that. Greta Thunberg has obviously, you know, there's a whole generation of school kids have become politically aware. And a lot of that is social media. You know, it's but not... I think also there's a whole generation of people who think saying a tweet is is the same as Activision, which, you know, just you know lending your support and liking a tweet doesn't actually lead to anything in the real world or rarely does lead to you know those kind of movements it can do and it has been seen to but it's it's not the same thing so you can get a load of people who think they're active and really in the the actual halls of power nothing is really changing or or, you know same things Uh, one one thing i did see and i've not seen this in any interviews i've ever done but there was um there's some tweets recently, and it was in America that um, people were applying for jobs, and as part of that, they were being, um, you know, a firm would investigate them. Oh, I think that's and, now a hundred percent. Nearly every job does it. And it was, but but the guy asked to see what it was, and it was a it was a three hundred page report on every tweet that he's ever liked or retweeted. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's now a standard service that most that, um, organizations yeah, use. Yeah, yeah, and that. That really paints a picture on somebody because I mean you could like it because it's funny. You could like it because you're annoyed by it. You could like because like doesn't I mean we've covered this before as well. Like doesn't mean like retweet doesn't you know like doesn't mean I support it. You know like and a retweet doesn't mean it because a lot of the time it might be look at this idiot or yeah, I you? really support this. Yeah. So the context is important and you lose that on, and they're all printed out. <laughs> These were all yeah. printed out on a bit of paper. It was like wow. Don't look yeah. at mine. <laughs> and I, I think in America that is 100% done. I think in the UK it's done more and more and more. Um, and we've heard, certainly heard cases where companies do not hire people because of their social media um, background or things they found on there. Yep. Um, Great. Apple has been <laughs> Apple has been fined. So we spoke about this many weeks ago now. Um, Apple basically did quietly slow down older iPhones. Now, people have been convinced about this for years. Nothing was said. People accused them of it, but it did. eventually they did actually end up coming out and saying, yes, we do slow them down. But actually, it's because the batteries degrade over time. And uh, that means that we cannot guarantee um, peak and, you know, peaks of, of uh, power availability and therefore phones will just randomly shut down unless we slow these things down. Uh, France uh, Telecom's basically regulators given them a, a fine because they didn't actually make this clear up front uh, on the upgrade. So whenever you upgraded to the latest version of uh, the operating system, their, their argument was you should have been saying that up front that if you upgrade, you'll be slowing down your iPhone. 
Um, yes, I have mixed feelings about this because I think they would, I still believe they were doing it for the right reason. So lots of people said they're deliberately slowing it down to force you upgrade. And I do think it was tied back to battery because the, the I mean, and, and in the article I've linked to it, it describes it that I read it usually taking, you know, taking out his old battery and putting a new one that sped it up. You know, so it wasn't about the age of the device, it was about protecting the battery and protecting the battery life and the, and the, the kind of, the, the user experience of using the phone. So, I think if anything, they were to me they've been fine because they just didn't make it clear to people. I don't. Yeah, people... and that's exactly what yep. the fine was. It yep. should have been upfront and and in your face that generically and not because of the physical state of your own battery. Generically, you will have this as a slowdown because of the number on your operating system. Yeah. And Apple have done the right thing now. So if you want to opt out of that, if you want to say I'd, uh, I don't care, you know, I can charge it every three hours. I want performance. You can turn it off. Yeah, uh, and. The only issue here really is like say not upfront, but equally how who's you know <laughs> do they do it just enough or do they do it a little bit more than enough because ultimately the direction of that means that you're gonna go and get a new iPhone. Everyone talks about their phones getting slower as they get older, don't they? So yep. Yep, yep, yep. We'll see. I'm a little bit more cynical because I think the effect of it is good for them. So why why not just, you know, tweak that dial a little bit more? Um, mobile, con- uh, mobile World Congress, easy for me to say, has been cancelled over the uh, fears of coronavirus and spreads uh, spreading in that. Um, lots of, I- effectively, their their hands were tied based on lots of people did end up just pulling out. So lots of big companies just said we're not going to attend this year. Um, and so they were left in a position where they basically had to call it off. Spanish, it's good. It was, it's held in Barcelona and the Spanish said, please have faith in our thing. Please come spend your money. Uh, but no, it's been canceled. Yeah. I mean, this was a hundred thousand people that usually, attend. it's a massive thing. Yep. I mean, it's a ginormous and, thing. And it is the biggest, I mean, it is the biggest, um, you know, mobile phone showcase. You know, you think everybody... about, but you think about the economy of, you know, Barcelona and the local, you know, they look just that how much those that hundred thousand people all staying somewhere, eating, drinking, buying stuff. It's yeah, it's nutty. It's not good. I mean, it's not the only big event. You know, the we've seen Formula One cancel and or, or postpone. I think they're calling it rather than yeah. cancel. Um, and we're going to see other events. You know, yeah, definitely. If, if the, as this spreads and as it as it, they're worried about the Olympics at the moment. Uh, yeah, they keep on saying there's no plan B, but we don't believe we need to do anything. It's like I don't know. There's um, that's a that's a lot of people that's going to come in and you know in a region that is ultimately the next month or two is probably the critical patch as to whether we are really seeing the peak of this now or whether we're uh, yeah. we're on the slide. Yeah, um, but but sensible decision. Um, it will be interesting to see how it affects this year's tech. You know, cause, because we've become so used to you know, and we're going we're just about to talk about Samsung. We're you know, so used to. You know, these big events every year, you know, incremental updates and all our devices and who knows, you know, might not see it this year. They'll still get released ultimately, won't they? So still even released, if the events, but, the but, events don't happen, but yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. people realise that events aren't the thing anymore. You know. Samsung Unpacked though did take place and they've been busy 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 boys and girls. Um they basically we've got the S twenty. So they've skipped a few version numbers, decided they'd go to twenty. Um, I guess because yeah, it cause, sounded good. What was the last one? Was it eleven or twelve? Ten, I think. Was it? Yeah. So they just skip the they skip the ten. Okay. Um. Yep. And basically, they it's not just one phone they've released. They've released three, uh, all under the S twenty brand, S twenty, S twenty plus, and S twenty ultra. <clears throat> and whilst we could 
spend hours looking at all the specs in every single specs scenario s20 is baby bear the <laughs> s20 plus is mama bear and the s20 ultra is the daddy bear so they basically everything is oh, small medium large <laughs> <laughs> small medium large um on all the specs so and and really when you get to the ultra side of things we are talking megabytes of data storage and megabytes of uh, memory and you know just you know pretty huge specs down to an s20 which is more like you know your standard top end phone but they're all very expensive again they all come with huge price tags who knew phones now cost uh you know 1600 quid if you go for the, <laughs> the top end 1600 pound carrying around in your pocket so basically as as much as laptops in fact far more than the low-end laptops always used to cost it's just nutty and i think i mean it's interesting because if, if you look at the design of samsung phones now you kind of know what you're going to get and this is the same you know it's like you know edge-to-edge screen you know a little little hole cut out for camera it was just the tiniest hole isn't it for the front camera yeah yep. um the screens i thought were interesting this year because it's um it's 120 hertz refresh rate so on mm. the on the ipad pro um we've got I can't remember was it promotion they call it I think, um, and you can see the difference. You know when you're when you're using apps and watching video, you can see the yep. difference between your you know the iPhone and the iPad, and there was lots of talk that are Apple going to be the first ones to to you know to really actually nail, um, you know that high refresh rate on on a phone. It's like nope. So nope. Samsung, I've got an OLED HDR plus that supports these, and it will switch between sixty and hundred. So a minute, 120, sorry. So it's basically saying you don't need this right now. Why waste battery? Yeah, because you know, there is quite a hit to the battery oh, when is. it's got that on. Yeah, There is. Um, they all come with 5G or will make 5G an option. Again, um, the, the bottom phone has a standard 5G, whereas the upper phones have more, uh, you know, in fact, small, medium, large. Yeah, the, the top ones have the, the latest, uh, the small one doesn't. I think that the bonkers bit for me was the cameras, and and, and I think that's yeah, where I think that's what everyone's looked at, yeah. Yeah, so the S twenty, which was the baby bear, you called it, is <laughs> yep. is like it's still ultra wide is twelve megapixels, the wide is twelve megapixels, telephoto is sixty four megapixels, um, sixty four, and the selfie is a ten megapixels, and that's the nasty. S the S twenty plus is is pretty much the same. Um, but it does more around depth of field. But the S twenty Ultra, um, the wide is a hundred and eight megapixels. Just nutty. The telephoto forty eight megapixels and the selfie camera is forty I'm, megapixels. I'm trying to remember my D D ninety camera. I'm sure that was like nine megapixels, something like that. Uh, you know, and that was the top of the range. Well, not top of the range. It was a a really high consumer grade SLR at the time I bought that. I'm sure it's nine or twelve, something like that. It's, it's twelve. Yeah, twelve. There you go. It's moved. That's hundred and eight. Now, what they're actually doing with these these sensors? They're most of the time they're junking pixels. So because the out the the default output of these things, they you can they can do things like have eight K video recording, fine. But most of the time, when you're taking a photo, it's not giving you all of those pixels. It's basically using a block of twelve pixels to then analyze and compute what it thinks based on what you're doing, what you you actually want to have displayed as that pixel. And it's doing that on this vast scale and it, it gives them this ability to compute. I think one of their features is um, you can take a photo and it will pretty much apply every single filter that it's got 
to that one photo that you take so that you can then pick and choose actually what is the effect so you don't have to take a load of individual photos to find out what filter and what effect you want to use or what mode it'll take the lot and then you can deal with it as we're not going to pick pick and choose the ones you want to keep um it's also doing things like the, the i think on the ultra i'm not sure if it's on the lower models it's got an actual four times optical zoom which has a uh you know a, you know a, 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 what's one thing a, a reflector so it's actually doing yeah. sort of dslr type things to get the uh the, the signal into the right place so they can actually do four times optical zoom and that was one of the other differentiators so in the ultra they're, they're basically saying this hybrid optic zoom will give you 10 times zoom on the s20 s20 plus it's three times but then they've called they've got what's called a super res zoom which is just digital um, so they're saying it can go up to 100 times. And the reason it can do that 100 times is because of the sheer number of uh, pixels on that sensor, which means yeah. that they can still get a reasonable resolution from a much smaller area of the sensor. Um, but whether that's whether that's your bag, you know, most of the times in the past when you've had higher pixel numbers in sensors, it's because actually the sensor is it's not that good. Just because it's got more places it can receive light doesn't mean it receives light well um or reliably so that that's the kind of thing but nevertheless very impressive numbers and from what people have been using it i think the hands-on have said it's pretty you know it's it is special tech um it's got quite a big bump so it's got the three camera back um so if you don't like those oblongs it looks like they're here to stay um oh they yeah. are i mean, it was, I mean the rumors are for, for apple's new ones this year is going to go to four um mm. so it's, it's almost like they're you know when when the manufacturers started kind of tipping over the edge, it was like we can just keep pushing here because people love and and the pictures that take so so by default it's taking twelve megapixel um, you know pictures, but the pictures out of these phones now are stunning, absolutely yeah. stunning, and they're doing all that. You know, all, and the, the thing, the big difference. So I'm, you know, Fuji's bringing out an XT4 in a couple of weeks' time, um, which is my kind of like big camera. But see all the computational. Um, you know, smarts that Samsung, Google, and particularly Google and, and, and Apple are thrown at it. it is so impressive. Yeah, I mean, the the days of where you just set the exposure based on a point on your photo is, you know, the, the modern day cameras can pretty much correct everything to a really complicated level just because it's compute rather than rather than dealing with light. Amazing. A couple of other things coming out of the unpacked. So. Um, the Galaxy Buds, they've got the new version of the Buds, $149. Um, and these, again, the, the kind of standard affair if they've got a relatively short life, but once you put them in their case, they've got an extended life. They've also got fairly quick charge. They don't have noise cancelling, though. Uh, people are sort of speculating maybe we'll see a pro version of them a bit further down the line. But that's that's the feature that they're missing. But 149 is a considerably lower price point. Uh, yeah, and they'll probably do some bundle deals which says buy the phone at 1600 and we'll give you it for you know, 50 or something like that, or yeah. 100. So, and and the previous ones, I mean, the, the sound quality was good, the battery life was good. So these are, you know, decent buds. And Foldable is here, Galaxy Z Flip this time. Uh, Going to be out uh, sort of, well, soon-ish um, in America, I think. I'm not yesterday. sure if that's in, is it also in the UK or is it just in uh, America? No, so I think it came out in America yesterday and it didn't sell out. Lots of people were expecting it to sell out, but I think I think the problem was you've got you've got your flip so this is a Z Flip. So this is like looks like a square and, and it unfolds into a, a widescreen um, phone, um, and it's priced at fourteen hundred, um, and it does some smart things. And it's the first one that's actually um, foldable glass. Yes. So this isn't a sort of polymer, whatever it is. Actually, they're saying ultra thin foldable glass. Um, 
and yeah, it's very it's clamshell old style clamshell, which means yeah, if you just if effectively what it looks like is you're folding your phone in half, you know, your, your modern day smartphone in half. They're saying the the hinge is stronger. It's got some clever things in there which stop dust getting in. They're also saying the glass isn't so susceptible to having that sort of ridge that develops over time. Uh, they're saying it's good for about two hundred thousand folds, something like that. Um, and and they've they've added some hinge locks at set angles so for you can make it into like a mini diddy laptop type affair with you know sat on the desk and they're saying that's going to be great for like little conference calls also you can have something like a youtube video playing on the bit that's sort of sat upright and the bit that's lying on the desk you can have something like the comments for that youtube video so there's different ways you can use it again this feels for me especially given the the form factor that it folds down to that kind of little clamshell size feels much more reasonable and it feels like the future if they can sort this out i like the idea of a foldable foldable tech and, uh, so do i you know especially and, and and if they can start to make it so we're going to see foldable devices from microsoft this year which is more just a hinge in the middle and it's smart sound software but it feels like you know if i could take you know if you could get the power of an ipad pro but it's half the size and when you need it you know, so if I'm just reading, do I really need that big tablet? I don't. But you know, I, so it, yeah. it just, it, and I and I guess it's it's also um, it's also I, I guess feeding into all the kind of sci-fi films we've watched yeah, for the last thirty it years. It feels like a like a like Star Trek communicator. Yeah, involved, you but, know, it's all that kind of stuff. I, I do think there's something around these flip devices. It feels like you know that's is that going to be where we all end up? I'm not sure, but there's a there's a big enough market there and a big enough interest. Definitely. I mean, it's not like this thing's not powerful either. It's got it's got like not a top really. level Snapdragon in it. It's got all the the kind of phones that you'd expect from a current gen. We're not talking about the new Samsung here. We, you know, with sort of standard sort of phones that we expect the, now. The, the big compromise is on the screen quality. Yes, and and yeah. it feels like with with current you know science and tech that that's that's going to be the case for maybe another couple of years. Yeah, they're saying that this is the, this, this glass, as they're calling it, um, it still has a very slight feel of a ridge, um, but it's it's not as noticeable as it was with the even devices that, hey, we're talking about the old devices that only came out like the end of last year. So, you know, things move quick, don't they? Well, it reminds, it reminds me of the first, when the first iPhone came out. It, I mean, Google moved quickly, Android moved quickly, iPhone iterated really quickly. It was every year it was big changes. And then it and then it settled, and I think we're going to see that with these foldables. There's yeah. going to be big changes until it settles on a. This is what works. This is a winner. I guess the only thing was that this is almost this is fragile technology that's now becoming stronger, and that's always the wrong way round. Whereas with the original iPhone, for example, that was a bulletproof bit of technology which we've refined. So it's it started well and is getting better. Whereas these devices have had a bit of a rocky start, and whether people will get over that in their minds um, to to the point where they trust them. That that's still yet to be seen. And pour one out for Motorola, whose razor is, is out at the same time. And by all accounts, this is this feels like a next gen compared to the razor. Yeah. So already, you know, that clever hinge that the razor had is already been sort of used in these kind of new devices and stuff like that. And, and the razor had its name going for it, but it was very expensive for the actual device. That very expensive, out. but the but the gubbins and the tech wasn't as good as what Samsung have baked into this. Screen wasn't as good. So found my razor. I found it. It's in a drawer. Oh, did I've you? even got the battery. The only thing I'm missing is the battery case. So maybe I could refire that back up. Wow. There we go. I hated them. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I loved my razor. Loved it. Um then yeah, and the yeah, the last thing coming out of that, that conference was the, a partnership between Microsoft and Samsung. It looks like there's gonna be partnership around cloud based gaming, streaming, uh I think is it Xbox X Cloud, is that the name of it? 
Uh, yeah. Looks but, looks but, like but, no confirmations, but that looks like how they probably is going to come to Samsung devices. Uh, yeah, and and again, I think it's just seeing where where uh, I guess future future gaming. I mean, we poo pooed Stadia right at the start, but there is there is something there about the compute sitting elsewhere, and you just take a screen and play it. If it's your own compute that you've paid for, and then you stream it down a connection, that makes sense rather than you're paying for someone else's console sat in a room somewhere. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. I think that is everything that we had to cover today, amazingly. Got anything else to say? No. No final stadia goodbyes? Um, no. It's, no. Um, <laughs> Nor it, me. I have, I have, it's <laughs> Adios! Just, it, it was one of those where it, it, was a, it was a novel experience, that kind of first time I fired it up. Um, it's a novel uh, experience. It worked. They just don't have the model to make the, it. The, the next day persist. we tried, and for me it was really laggy. Really, really mm-hmm. laggy, even though we, we bounced everything. Um, but then you had the full-on proper experience again a bit later than that. Yep, and and and, it, and as I said, it was fine, but but, um, but there was nothing there that I thought. Yeah, you know, to me, if they were doing it, they had to do something around price or something to make it. You know, to make up for the there's a little bit of degradation now and again, and you saw some pixelation now and again, and you know, ultimately, but, an Xbox X. What's it going to cost? Four hundred, five hundred quid. Um, yeah, people having that device for a solid performance in your living room. You know, there's an article out, article out a couple of days ago that is that is pegged the unit cost of the PS5 at four hundred and fifty dollars. Mm. Um, so they're really worried that you know they're going to have to sell this at a loss, and they won't. Well, they they're they're worried that the only way they're going to be able to sell more than the Xbox at the moment is by lowering the price because they know yeah. already that they can't match the specs. Yeah, and um, and seemingly the, the other thing that they are hard on is they will not set the price until Microsoft sets their prices. Mm. Yeah, because so, they know they're a later release. Yeah. So we can be sure that if Microsoft come out at five hundred quid, which is kind of expected, then PlayStation is going to go four hundred, and we know that it does have an eff- effect on sales. Basically, it will be. They reckon it could be actually weirdly, it could be the killer feature of the PlayStation, even though the specs aren't as high. It, you know it the price point will absolutely let them nail it and they can they can always lower it because they're not going to come out first. And this generation, as in the one we're just coming out of, the PlayStation for me definitely had the best library. Um, yeah, so. definitely. We were speaking the other day and gaming's been a bit lifeless, a bit soulless for a while now. Uh, it seems like this generation is a weird lost generation. And you said but PlayStation it hasn't been. And for me, from an Xbox point of view, it's just been a pretty empty generation really. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just it just feels like Microsoft have you know brought out the, the Xbox One X, and it almost feels like after six months he basically said, right, you know, all titles on next gen, um, even for though the they last... play on the current. But but that's where they've said that's where you'll get your. I'd say for the last four years, the big thing's going to always happen in the next two years, and it never happened. It's always just been two years away, and it still feels like <laughs> it still feels like it's over a year away. Um, before we could so it's just always that's that's the sales point but from what we did see at, you know um the last show was there, there are a lot of stuff well a lot of games coming to games pass um and well, they're slowly starting to trickle through but i think a lot of them will now delay and wait for the, the next big release at the end of this year why wouldn't you agreed that was a for yeah for nothing to add at the end we've chatted away a bit anyway that is it <laughs> digitaloutbox.com is our website info at digitaloutbox.com is our email address and we're on twitter as digitaloutbox um my, my sort of graveyard of a twitter is cheesy uk and ian although you have done two tweets which is two tweets more than last year so that's that's impressive <laughs> um, um Ian, ian dick.com where you can find out all my shenanigans 
lovely. All right. And we will speak to you again soon. Ta-ra. Goodbye.